All right, well, those that are sick, we miss you guys. We can't wait to see you again. But for you that are inviting us in during the week, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if there's any way that I can serve you throughout the week, please reach out to me. My email is tyler.west at thevine.tv. Also, you can reach out to me on my cell phone at 864-706-9634. Hey, here's one thing I would love to know from you. How can I be praying for you? Shoot me an email this week. Shoot me a text. Let me know how I can pray for you. Every morning when I get up, I pray over every prayer request. We have a Sower's Prayer Board. There are all kinds of names of people seen and unseen, and we pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, let us know. Hey, maybe you can't remember my contact information. You're going to remember this, prayeratthevine.tv. Let us know how we can pray for you, and I would love to. Speaking of praying, there are folks here that give of their time, talent, and treasure in prayer. I don't know if you know that, but we have a team of folks. We call it our Power Plant Prayer Team. And we love to get to pray over everything that God puts in our path. But that is one way that we give. And this is where it always, you get the pin drop in the room because you think uh, we're going to have, yeah, I know the, the ushers are coming down and we're just going to keep passing the buckets till they get full, okay? <laughs> I'm just joking. Y'all know we don't roll that way. Here at the Vine Church, we're not going to talk to you about a number. We're not going to talk to you about a percentage. I don't stand up here and tell you this, 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 this about the Bible because I want to tell you this. Jesus isn't after your money because quite frankly, he don't need it because it's already his to begin with. All he's after is your heart. So today, if Jesus has called you to be a part of what he is trying to do here at the Vine and you would like to give, I would say trust him in that. If you remember, when folks were given their tithe, there's a parable where Jesus is standing there with the disciples, and there's a woman who puts a mite in, and it's called the widow's mite, and it has the value of a penny. And the one thing he noticed is the woman gave all she had, which was a penny, and he saw her heart when everyone else was literally given a tenth of everything, including their spices. So how would you like that? You need that tenth for your recipe of cinnamon, but instead you tithed off of it on a Sunday, right? But see, Jesus didn't care about that. He cared about the heart. And so today, I would love for you to take a part of that. We have been a part of global missions around the world, and I'm so thankful for each and every sower who faithfully gives so that we can be a part of that and that we can do that. So if you would like to be a part of it, I'm just going to ask you to trust Jesus today in that and watch and see what he can do. And last but not least, something that I didn't get to do, and I almost missed it. Does everybody know what tomorrow is? It's Veterans Day, right? Now, it's something I grew up with, and now in a time that we live in, I just want to say, are there any veterans here today? I would love to say thank you for being here. There are veterans here. So, uh, everybody, let's thank them for their service, seriously. Hey, we know we can't do this without you. Like, seriously, each and every veteran that's here we know we can't do this without you. We get to be in a free country where we can worship freely, where we can talk about Jesus freely, where we can talk about what's happening in our lives when we disagree with each other. We don't have to worry about being thrown in prison for it. And it's because you fight. You are the gospel around the world because it's one thing for people to say they're willing to die for someone else. It's another thing to go do it. So I want you to know because you were willing to put your life on the line, you were being Jesus to each and every person. So thank you. If you're listening throughout the week, I want to say thank you if you're watching online because we appreciate you. Have a brother who's a veteran. Uh, have more family than that that's a veteran, I know. Uh, and so anytime you, you, you do that, I just want to say thank you for your service. Now, today we're going to continue our Reclaim Story series, guys. I don't know if you got to see or watch last week, but the one thing that we're doing throughout this series is we're going to re claim the table. We're resetting the table, if you will. When we come together as a family, we always swap stories with each other. Usually they're funny ones. Sometimes they're embarrassing ones. Uh, it just depends. Depends on where you are. How many folks still sit at the kids' table? 
in their family. They haven't moved up to the adult table yet, right? So wherever you are in your family, you get to share stories. And so that's what we're doing is we're sharing our family with you. And I'm so thankful because I've got to hear these stories of our family, and I don't want to keep it all to myself. So I'm opening up the box for everyone to hear the stories from our family. And so I'm so excited today because we have two folks who are going to be sharing their story. We're going to have Jeremy Bridges sharing his story, and we're going to have Tim Ott sharing his story. And I just want you to lean in, and I want you to see what Jesus is doing. And then we're going to come back together. We're going to have an awesome time of worship, and we're going to lift Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray as we get ready to go into this, and you guys can check out Jeremy's video. So dear Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we get to be here each and every week. Thank you for each and every veteran who gave sacrificially without being asked, God. They just put their life on the line. We wouldn't get to be here doing what we get to do if they aren't there. And Jesus, we wouldn't be here getting to lift your name high if you wouldn't have came and given sacrificially your life so that we could have life. So Jesus, today, I pray that your name would be glorified. I pray that we would experience you like never before. I pray that everyone here would just see you and see you moving like never before. Thank you for this day, Jesus. We love you, and we can't wait to lift your name high. It's in your wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all check out Jeremy's story. Hey, I'm Jeremy Bridges. Uh, I'm a part of the Vine Church, and today I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and uh, about my salvation and how I was. Um, I was born in church. I grew up going to church Sunday, Wednesday, um, every time the church door was open, my uh, mom would take us. Um, so I was always around church. I knew who God was. I knew the stories that, you know, you get told as a child. I knew what church was. Um, but I grew up in a, a family where my dad wasn't, um, wasn't there uh, as much. Um, my mom was a single mom, so I had to rely on my mom for everything. Um, I didn't have a dad who I could uh, go and ask questions to and, and talk to, so um, luckily I had a great mom. I had somebody who was probably one of the godliest people that I knew. Um, she did so much for other people. Uh, she was a great Christian. She was a great example of what um, a person should be. Um, I saw a person that I strive to be to this day. Somebody that people will come up to and talk to and feel comfortable with. Um, so I I went through through my early years learning about church and learning about God and learning about Jesus and all the stories. And I was probably five or six. Um, I was at a little revival thing that my uh, grandmother went to, and they asked if anybody wanted to get saved. And I raised my hand, um, not really knowing what it was. And then they called me up and like, oh, okay, well, this is what you did. I was so terrified. I did not know what was going on. 
what I had done, and like I ran away and I was crying, and I didn't didn't grasp what salvation was when I was that young. Um, I know a lot of people do, but <clears throat> for me, it was when you know they they said that the words that they were saying was was kind of scary. So I was like, yeah, that's what I want. I didn't know what it was. Um, I remember going, getting older, and I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And uh, my great-grandmother died. She was 93 when she died, but she was a big part of my family's life when, when I was younger. And I remember, you know, being so upset uh, about her dying. Not that she had died, because she had lived a long, like, good life. But I think it was the the fact that the death was real because she was the first person that I had really experienced dying, and uh, it was probably a month later. Our church youth we went to uh, see the rapture uh, we play, and we we sat through it, and you know, great play. And at the end, you know, they they did the you know if anybody wants to receive salvation and you know said pray the prayer after me and you know I did and I said if you pray that prayer raise your hand and I was a shy person I didn't like go out of my comfort zone to talk to people I didn't you know I, I was so shy I could not cross that barrier but something in me made me raise my hand at that moment like I was older at the time, so I knew what salvation was, and I accepted Jesus into my life. And it was one of those things where, if you knew me back then, I wasn't somebody, even if I had him accepted, it was somebody that was going to step out and, like, show other people that, you know, that that's what I had done, because I was such a shy, scared person at that time. And from then, um, you know, I've went through struggles in my life, uh, lost people that I was close to. Probably one of the closest people I was ever um, close to was my grandpa. And I was 16 when he died, and that tore my world up. I was saved at the time. And, but there were so many questions I had for God. Like, why would you let my grandpa had cancer and he suffered for a year and a half. And it's like, why would you let somebody that was such a good person suffer? And for three, probably three years, I couldn't even talk about my grandpa without completely breaking down because I couldn't get over the fact that he had died. And I remember one day I was at work um, and I remember like, screaming out to God, like, why did you do this? Like, why did you let this happen? He was the closest person to me. And, like, you took him from me. And I, I literally left everything out that day. I, uh, I screamed, uh, you know, I was mad. And in that moment, I felt peace. Like, I cried out like, I had never felt before. 
There was no hurt. There was no pain. He took it all away. And I know it was him because, you know, I've talked about stuff before and it's still, it's still there. But in that moment, I knew true peace. Um, and I went through my life knowing that God did that for me. And I was 21 years old. And from then on, I mean, I've, I've made mistakes. I've, you know, done things that I probably regret. Some things that, you know, I probably shouldn't have done. But they make me who I am. Um, like I said earlier, I've always strived to be like my mom. Uh, my mom, if you ever met, if anybody had ever met my mom, she was probably the nicest person, the most giving, caring person that you would ever meet. And I strive to be that every day. Uh, I go, like it, it hurts me to not be able to help people. It's hard to say that because a lot of people say, well, what's your gift? And literally, I think my gift is to help people. Um, when I say help people, I don't mean, you know, like when God puts somebody in my path and I know that I can help them. I try everything I can to help people out. Um, when I was 20, 28, um, my mom died. And it was a shock. I mean, it was a shock. It was out of nowhere. And it was, it was, it was hard. Um, it wasn't easy. Losing people before that made it not a new experience though so I knew how to cope with it. I knew that I was going to be able to get through it. I also knew that my mom, you know, was a Christian and she was not suffering anymore and something about that gave me peace. Like my mom uh, when she was older she, she stressed a lot and she had a lot of health issues and I knew that she didn't have to worry about that anymore and it gave me a piece about it not that she was gone because i'm always going to miss the fact that i don't have a mom there to talk to or experience things with and to, you know share the joy with her but i know that she's in a better place that she's not having to suffer and go through all the heartaches and pain that you have to go through when you're on this earth. And every day I strive to be a better person, to be a, a better Christian, um, to be there for people, to love people. And it's, it's not always easy. There's always going to be times where you go and meet somebody in your life and it's hard to talk about God. It's hard to talk about being a Christian. But those are sometimes the hardest things or the the best things. Sometimes I met so many people that I would have never thought talking to them about God would you know, do anything. Those are some of my best conversations. Some people have this you know, amazing story where 
they had went through all these struggles and went through all the turmoil in their life and they find God in the depths. I found God because I knew who he was. I knew that I knew what he was. But until I experienced a loss, it's hard for me to realize that I needed God. That I needed something more than just going to church and living a good life. Because living a good life is great. That doesn't change the person. It doesn't fill a void in you that only God can fill. A lot of people search for years trying to find something to fill the hole in their heart. And it's right there. It's a gift that he gives you when you think you're not worth anything. Um, I was only 11 years old, 12 years old, um, when I went and saw the rapture. But I remember, like, I looked up at the sky before we went, and everything about that night, the stars, Everything slowed down. Like I knew that, I knew that there was a God. And I, I was searching for something. Not because I had a, a void in my life. Uh, that was this big thing where I was looking to fill it. But I knew that there was something more. I knew I wanted to be something more. And I know there's so many people out there that have the, a similar story where maybe you weren't you know, at your lowest point that, you know, you were a good kid. I was always a good kid, but you, you didn't, you didn't get it to, you know, maybe something happened like me, but it's okay. Like you don't have to, you don't have to have some great elaborate story because salvation is there for everybody. It's there for people who don't think they deserve it and for people who know what it is and just don't know if they need it. But that's the good thing about God is God gives you gives you that choice. It's not something that's forced upon you. So you're not forced into salvation. It's something you choose so you can you can appreciate it. And when I was younger I can't say I appreciated it. Um, as much as I do now. Like going to God and praying about stuff and, and talking to God sometimes gives you peace that, you know, even if I don't know what's going on, I know that he's got something planned for me. So in, in my story, I, I just want, you know, people to realize that you're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times. But with God, you'll get through them. You'll you'll get through the loss of a loved one. You'll get through, you know, seeing people hurt you and, you know, take advantage of you. You'll get through all of that. The only thing that keeps you from having that that that, that knowing that you can get through that is not knowing who God is and having a relationship with God because God gives you that 
at peace that nothing else can. So I just want to say that, you know, I'm glad I get to share my story and talk to you about some things in my life um, that make me who I am. Uh, I know a lot of times we, you see, you know, people in church and you don't know anything about them, um, which is why I'm really glad we get to do this because now you'll actually know a little bit about the people who are in the church and who you see, you know, every week. And it's not just like, oh, hey, I see them in church and that's who they are. You'll actually know what their story is and how they were changed and how God has done stuff in their life. Hello? I'm only pulling this up so I can put my phone on top of it. It's a large object for holding a phone. I was like, listen to Jeremy. It's like, well, there's a lot of stuff that I relate to in that that message as well because uh, growing up in church and that sort of thing. But um, my name is Tim Ott. I am Tyler's brother-in-law through Olivia Ott, who is Tyler's sister. I think most of y'all know that, but I'm just reiterating it. And I want to start this whole thing off in a little bit different way. I want to tell you a funny story. And (laughs) surprise, um, Olivia has some interesting people in her family, and I do too. And um, she has this cousin who... uh, Without going into names, they built their own house, which was a big inspiration to me, and we won't go into that too much right this minute. Uh, But he one day told me, he says, Tim, I'm going to tell you this story. When I was back in high school, and um, there was this magazine that came out. It was called Popular Mechanics, and they had, for the first time in the 1960s, they had this thing called a hang glider. And they had plans for building a hang glider, and so... I saved up my money and I bought some polyethylene plastic from the hardware store and, and I went out in the woods and I found some bamboo and I made all the poles and I built this hang glider and I waited till my parents went out of town and that's when I should have known that this is probably going to be a really good story. He waited till his parents went out of town and he said he climbed up on his roof and his cousins were over and he jumped off the roof with it. Well, there wasn't really enough wind to get it going so he kind of just kind of to the ground and he said you know what, we need to pull this thing. That's what we need to do. So he got his cousins, and they started with various uh, motorized items that they had laying around, a riding lawnmower. Um, They tried that, and it lifted the riding lawnmower off the ground. They tried a a motorcycle, and it lifted off the ground. Um, Finally, like all good cousins, someone came up and says, I've got a great idea. I've got this Volkswagen Beetle. And what I can do is I can stand over the bumper with a rope holding it like this. And that way, if you start going up and there's some trouble, I'll just let go of it and you'll just come to ground. It won't be a problem. And all these teenage minds had come together and they had agreed that that was a great idea. And so by the time he had started doing it, he he did stop the story there and told me, now safety first, I was wearing a helmet. 
So that's good. He was safe. He decides to do it off of right around the 290 area. And by the time they started, he said there was probably 100 people had gathered because everybody wants to watch the crash before it happens, right? So he said that they wrapped it around. He saw his cousin. He was sitting on top of the Volkswagen uh, bumper like this, holding the rope, and then they took off. And he says before he knew it, he could see the edge of the, of the uh, power lines. And that's when he said he heard the crunk. And he looked at his cousin's face, and even from that distance, his face was like, and that's when he let go of the rope, and that's when the hang glider broke completely apart, and that's when he crashed to the ground. And he went home, and his uh, parents found him that night, and they were not happy with him, and he got in a lot of trouble, and he says, but I learned a very valuable lesson. You should dry your bamboo out before you use it. That's what I learned out of that whole thing. And that's the point of this whole story is sometimes we have these lessons in life that we don't learn what we're supposed to learn from that lesson. Does everybody agree with that? Well, um, I've had to repeat a lot of lessons in my life. Um, the, the, the verse that I want to to base my talk on and my, my testimony is very simple. It's uh, Psalms 46.10. It's be still and know that I am God. And that is the toughest verse for me out of the entire Bible. It's very difficult for me because I don't know what being still is and I don't know how to know something. I know that sounds weird because a lot of people come up and have those conversion stories that, uh, you know, I learned this and I, and I believed. And I'm one of those people that I'm hoping I can relate to some people. I'm a doubter. I've had struggle with doubt my entire life. And I don't know if anybody else has been like that. And I'm also a struggle with I have to do something. It has to be active. I have to do it. Control. Control. Okay? Well, uh, I also want to tell you that uh, in life, you always have choices. Always have choices. That brings me to another story. <laughs> One time, when I was a teenager, I went to the beach with a good friend of mine, and um, he had this bicycle. It was a tandem bike, and uh, it was kind of neat, and I, I had to be in the front back to control. I could not ride in the back because when it was turning, I wanted to turn the rear seat, and it just wouldn't move, and it just really freaked me out. So I was always driving it, and he was behind me, and we were riding around in, at the beach at the little uh, little. Uh, residential area and some kids in a war, with a water gun and a, and a, and a golf cart started shooting us. I was about 14 at the time. I was like, why are they shooting us? Well, that's, that's just terrible. But fortunately for us, we had, we had gone and planned for something. We had taken water balloons and put them in the freezer the night before because everybody needs a frozen water balloon to throw at your friends. So we loaded up a backpack. I don't know why we had a backpack at the, at the beach, but we did. And my, my friend, I wore the backpack, and he was going to be the bombardier and throw the water balloons. We're going to catch these kids and, sh and teach them a lesson. So sure enough, we found a golf cart with somebody with a water gun in it. He pulls out the uh, water balloon. And before I could say, no, don't do it, 
He had launched the balloon. These were not kids. These were, from my perspective, old people. Um, they were probably in college. And he landed this water balloon in a specific area on this man where you would never want to land a water balloon, let alone a frozen water balloon. And I saw him turn purple. At that point in time, I knew my life was over. So we started riding the bicycle really fast. And that's when I did realize they must be in college because they jumped in their cars and started chasing us. And I just remember hiding and being terrified the whole time. But they kept chasing us, kept chasing us. And it came down to what I was talking about. We have always have a choice, right? I could have chose not to do that to start with. But at this point in time, I had a choice, and that was to ride. Well, we got to the end of the edge of the neighborhood, and there's a major highway, and there's a giant sandbar. Anybody ever ridden a bicycle into a sandbar at the beach? What happens to the bicycle? It stops, and you fall over. If anybody run into major highway at the beach with a bicycle, what happens? It stops, too. Usually, you go splat. So at the end of that road, I had a choice. The choice was stop the bicycle, let those guys come and pummel us, go into the, uh, into the sand and hopefully be able to get away or take on the cars. And we chose to take on the sand, which to this day I am thankful because it was the right choice. And for some reason those guys stopped chasing us at that moment in time, so we didn't die. But the whole point behind that is we always have a choice. So now I'm getting to my, what my story is. Those, those two stories are very important, okay? We have a choice, and we haven't learned our lessons. So I, like a lot of you, I, I don't know if everybody's this way, but I grew up in a Baptist church. Uh, we were there, you know, we did the, the Wednesday night things, did royal ambassadors, RAs, GAs, mission friends, all that sort of thing. A lot of people in the South can relate to that. Um, I was one of those little goody kids. I tried to do everything my mama told me to do. And I remember when one day I said, why can't I get baptized? And my mom said, that sounds great. And because I knew, oh, well, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died for my sins. Why can't I just, I'll just go get baptized. And I think at that point in time, I had a lot of head knowledge of what God was. And I think a lot of kids do that at that age. They go through the motions. They go get baptized. They, they like the, the, the fact that uh, mommy and daddy are happy about, about things. And, and I got baptized at seven. But as I got older, I started to realize a lot of the kids that I was hanging out with in, in church were also doing some really bad things on the side. And instead of me being sympathetic and saying, you know, Maybe I should help those kids. My, my attitude was, I'm better than those kids. I ended up becoming more like a Pharisee, a person that says it's kind of judgmental. And it wasn't until I got older, maybe 13 or 14, I went to something called Ridgecrest. Anybody else familiar with that too, Ridgecrest? It was a, it was a Baptist retreat in, in the middle of the winter. And, and that's when I knew that I knew who God was and that God had sent his son to save me but at the same time at that point in time I was just running as fast as I could I still was kind of Pharisee in my heart I still felt 
and I hate to say that, better than everybody else. Why? Because I'm not doing those things. You know, you can't see your own sin. You can't see the plank in your own eye sometimes. Uh, but those, all those people, they made it through them. They got their own testimonies, and that's good. And I was like, well, I just don't want to be with them. I want to be better than that. So as I got older, uh, I had taken that with me, but I still didn't know the meaning of be still and know that I am God. Because at that point in time in my life, I started wanting knowledge. Knowledge became my God. I majored in physics in college because I didn't know which PhD path I wanted to go down. And some events happened in college from disillusionment of the fact that, that people are, <laughs> science is not science, it's a religion as well. Don't ask me, that's another, that's another topic for another day. Science is not, but the, but the worship of science is. And at that point in time, I had really started to question if God exists. Has anybody ever gone through that period in your life? It is something that I do not think we talk about enough in the church because I felt isolated. Absolutely could not talk to anybody about it because I felt like I would be judged. Why? Because I was judging everybody else. Exactly. Be still and know that I am God. God is greater than who I am. God had his hand on me the entire time. During college, I ran into something that may sound very cultish, but it, but it was he used it for me. I, I joined a, a company called Amway, and <laughs> everybody's giggling that knows that is familiar with it, network marketing. And at the time, they were very uh, God first, business second. Well, that's what they said, and it kind of pulled me back into the church. And that's when my quest for knowledge for God got even higher. And again. I was looking for answers. I was looking for the truth. What is the truth? Who is God? I studied the Bible probably great. And Olivia might not even know this. I used to have a pocket testament that when I was at work, <laughs> right out of college, I would sit down for things that you do inside the restroom and read that Bible while I was in the restroom. I read incessantly. I was looking for answers from the Bible but I wasn't thinking about the fact that I should be still and know that I am God. I was looking for the right methodology to go about living life instead of looking for the relationship with God. Knowing that God is real and God sent his son because he loved me. I was trying to artificially create that. And that's what I'm saying. Very, I don't hear many talks like this because it sounds so apostate to talk about these sort of things. You didn't follow the rules. You're supposed to just fall in line. Why can't you accept it as it is? And the reason you can't accept it as it is is because you're supposed to be still and know that I am God. You have to let go of your concepts of what God is and know that he is stronger than you are. And as I grew in knowledge, I also ran into another problem. I ran into a medical problem. When I was in college, I mean, in, in, in uh, my first years of, of, of working, I started having uh, um, thoughts in my brain that I couldn't get out. 
This very thing that I had always relied on was starting to break down for me. I had uh, full-blown OCD. I thought I was going crazy. I had uh, two major thoughts in my head that I'm going to tell you what they are. They're not something I'm very proud of. They were just what was in my head. I could not get them out. I had a fear that I was going to end up being gay. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being afraid to be gay, but I was terrified of the fact that I might be gay one day. And I could not get that out of my head. The other thing, I was afraid I was going to become an axe murderer. And no, it sounds funny. It doesn't. But when you're sitting there and, and, you're, and you're living with these thoughts in your head and you can't get rid of them, you're like, why, God? Why are you allowing me to think these things? And why can't you take them out of my brain? Be still and know that I am God. It's hard to let go of things when your brain is broken, and it really is. There's a, it's very similar to depression and anxiety. Your brain gets to a point, and instead of it having a depressed thought, it has a random thought that it can't get out of. It is a chemical imbalance. If you have these type of things, you usually don't talk to people about them because it makes you feel isolated. Guess what? You need to talk about it. Why? Because it's just like a cold. It's just like the flu. You need to get some help. And it can happen through medical. It can happen through God. For my instance, I ended up getting a CPAP machine. I found out I wasn't sleeping. Its serotonin levels increased, and it and eliminated those things. But through that process is when I really realized that I had to know that he is God because I could not control the one thing I had thought I had control of. I thought I had control of my own thoughts. I don't even own those either. God is in control of everything. That's the one thing that I have learned. And also... Something else that's, uh, that, that, that was very important to me is when I was in college, I, major, I told you I majored in physics. This is not as heavy as OCD. So uh, I majored in physics, and I learned that um, you can memorize anything for a temporary point of view, or you can actually try to understand the root fundamentals. And a lot of times the root fundamentals are a lot simpler uh, than just trying to memorize a whole bunch of equations. So anybody ever taken physics before? Physics is hard if you try to memorize everything. I learned very simply that, that pretty much you can derive any equation you need to derive if you just remember F equals MA, understand those relationships, understand the math behind it. You can go in and, and, and figure out any of it. I know that sounds like, whew, but it, I'm telling you, it is simple. You just sit there and you just, it takes a piece of paper, you can derive any equation you need to for pretty much anything, including all engineering. So I had minored in electrical engineering, <laughs> and I, I took a class with a professor that, that at the end of the semester, I had like a 97 in that class, and why did I have a 97? What did I tell you? I learned how to derive everything. Everybody else in that class had failed. I guess I was the curve breaker. I didn't mean to. So they had taken him up on student review to say that he was not, uh, that he needed to be disciplined. 
at school. So he called me up and says, hey, would you vouch for me? I said, yeah, your class was great. You told us what was going to be on the test, and, and all I had to do was derive everything you needed for the, for the equations. And he says, there, I will center myself so that y'all can see. Yeah, just derive everything that you need for the equations, and it was easy. It was an easy, easy class for me because why? Because I was looking for root fundamentals. Root fundamentals. And so he ended up, uh, they, once they heard, the, the electrical engineering department was a little embarrassed because he said, well, I've got a physics person that made an A in my class. They said, okay, we're just going to drop this uh, little silliness. And they dropped it. And, and, and all I say that to is because I did learn to do the root fundamental. You've heard of the 80-20 rule, the things like that. Sometimes we focus on the details so much that we forget the root fundamental. Be still and know that I am God. That is the root fundamental. If you can sum up the Bible to me in just a few words, that would be it. He sent his son to die for us because he is God. He is bigger than your sin. He is bigger than anything that you've ever had to go through. He can take care of it. But you've got to do one thing. You cannot be God. You have to let that go. You have to know that he is God. And with that, I think we're ready for the band to come up. And Tyler's going to come out and uh, do an invocation. But um, I just want to leave you one more time with that same thought. Everybody repeat with me. Be still and know that I am God.
out uh, today, uh, the question I want to ask is, are you a child of God? You see, we just sang a song about who we are in Christ and how we really aren't defined by anything else in this world that comes at us. We heard some stories of redemption today. We've heard how Jesus has changed us. And the question I have for you is, are you a child of God because you've given your life to Jesus? Because everything else you try in the world, everything else that you're walking through, all of these things the world will throw at you, all these things that promise you to be a part of a family, all the things that promise you fulfillment, all these things that promise you joy, they're only gonna come up short if it's not Jesus. And because of that, I want you to know today that there's an opportunity for you today to respond. We're about to pray together here as a family, but I just wanna remind you a verse we say all the time is John 3, 16 and 17. And it, it reminds us that for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the thing is so many times in this world, we hear that and we don't come to church. We don't wanna be a part of church. We don't wanna be a part of the people of God because we skip this verse. We think Jesus came to condemn us. We think Jesus came to judge us. We think Jesus came to put us down. But you see, John 3, 17 reminds us, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so today I wanna ask you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is your opportunity. So every head's gonna bow and every eye's gonna close. And I wanna help you respond and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because there was a time, as you heard today, with folks' story with Jesus that someone helped them and I was the same way, someone helped me, so I wanna help you. 
So everyone, please repeat after me for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, I wanna tell you this is why we do what we do. We share our story so that you can experience the hope of Jesus. And I'm asking if that's you and for the first time, you can say that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you to respond by raising your hand. One, two, three. If that's you right now, I'm gonna ask you, maybe you're listening online, maybe you're watching online or listening by podcast throughout the week. Don't let this week go by without responding because I wanna tell you, this is just the starting block of the best part of your life and you have people that wanna walk with you through it step by step. So if you're watching online or listening by podcast, reach out to us at 864-580-6698 or prayer at thevine.tv. We wanna celebrate with you and we wanna walk with you through this season. And for everyone else, you can look up because it's time that we do this every week where we lock it up and we pray as a family together. Because today we not only are gonna pray as a family, we got to hear from our family. We got to hear from some stories of our family. So gather around the folks around you, get to know them, because I know them. We're gonna be in heaven together. Praise God and amen for those that are in Christ. So I'm about to pray and I'm gonna be praying for this week and I'm gonna be praying for next week and I'm gonna pray for our veterans again. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time today that you have given us. Thank you that we are who you say we are. We are not what this world says that we are. We are not what the enemy tries to tell us we are. We are not what we think we need to be or the things of this world. We are who you say we are. So Jesus, give us the boldness to step in faith every step you call us to take to be exactly who you created us to be. Jesus, thank you that you are our redemption. Thank you that you are our hope. Thank you that you are our savior and that in our own devices and in our own ways, we can never, never live a life that you called us to live, live a life that's full, live a life that isn't robbed, but instead is the one that you promised to give us in John 10, 10. And it's only through you that we get it. So Jesus, thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for all the veterans that are fighting still or have fought and some who have gone multiple times into battle. Thank you for them. I pray that you would bless them. And I pray that we would not just honor them one day a year, but we would honor them throughout the year. And for everyone else, Jesus, that's going through battles in life, sometimes it's really easy to put a mask on with a smile and act like we've got it all together. But Jesus, as we hear stories of our family, we realize that none of us have it all together. And the beauty is you're taking all of us that are broken and you've brought us together in your name. And we get to show you to the world because we're not perfect Jesus, only you are. So I pray today in our brokenness that we would see the community that you've wrapped around us and that we would experience you like never before. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and for your glory, amen. We hope you guys have an awesome week. Come back and join us next week as we hear from Joel Candler as well as Mike Butler. We'll see you next week.